Did we all remember the message from last week? What is the missing ingredient? I had some interesting conversations with people about this this week. Can we remember the takeaway? The thing that we see as blocking us from growing could be the very thing that we need to grow us. That's good. All right, Jesse. Well, and, and I think the heart of the message was, what is God doing in me? So the takeaway that I'm hearing is that we're not really interested in what God's doing in us. We'd rather just be busy doing something else. Last week, what was, the, what was the main thing that we talked about? What is God doing in me? I think we looked at the idea that it can be really easy to, to, to be about God's business and just kind of going about our daily thing. And it's so easy to maybe get so focused on what we're doing that we don't actually see what he's doing in us. Um, and I love the distinction that we talked about with Bruce that he shared the week before. It's not necessarily doing things for God, but doing things with God. And so we're just going to continue on this vein of the missing ingredient. And I'm going to give it all away at the start, unlike last time. But just recapping of what we did. And it's not what end am I trying to achieve, but what is God doing in me? What is he teaching me? That was the first part of the missing ingredient. And, the, and today I want to talk about the next part, but I always like to start with a story. Has anybody seen the movie Focus? Has anybody um, seen the con artists on the street? Unfortunately, I'm sure there's folks that have been the recipient of their skill sets of having watches lifted or purses lifted or pickpockets. The, the, the movie Focus is based around teaching um, wrong skill sets around how to steal things from people and how do, you, how do you pick their wallets and how do you get, lift their watches. The watches is one that fascinates me because watches are fastened on and how could you possibly lift one of those? But the idea of how they do this so sets up what we're going to be talking about today. So you know the trick that they use? What do they do? Do we know what they do? Distraction, right? And so the movie Focus is, is literally all about that. Where your focus is is going to determine what you might catch or what they don't want you to catch. So they're going to, there's all these tricks that they have. You don't make eye contact because you can't come into somebody's space. So, so they, they won't make eye contact and they'll, they'll manage to, to squeeze in quite close. And they'll touch a certain part of your body, maybe your shoulder, to get you distracted or show you a picture. And so that way, you won't actually even feel them lifting the wallet because your focus is somewhere completely different. I thought it was, it's a very interesting concept, especially when it comes to, it even relates to what we talked about last week, that what is God doing in me? If our focus is trying to fix this problem and you're saying, God, why is this not happening? Why am I not growing in this area? Why haven't I seen this thing come to fruition like it should have? If our focus is there, then we're going to miss out completely on maybe what God is trying to do in me through some of those, focus, some of those distractions, frustrations. And the point that Rachel shared, I hope, um, is encouraging to you. It's been challenging to me that maybe the thing that has been frustrating us or the thing that's in the way or that's blocking us could be the very thing that God is using to grow you. It's a big shift in focus and looking at what is God doing in you. But this morning, the thing that I think that we can lose focus of is this idea, is that the mission in front of you is just as important as the mission ahead of you. The mission in front of you is just as important as the mission ahead of you. It's all about where your focus goes. The thief distracts your focus so you don't know you're being robbed. And I would suggest to you that the enemy will distract your focus. The enemy will distract your focus so you don't know you're being robbed of opportunities to express the kingdom of God. 
He will distract your focus with good things. He will distract your focus with God things. And you will be robbed of some opportunities of focus. And so I hope that we can look at um, another aspect of that this morning. And that the emphasis this morning, I'm giving it all away, is not necessarily what is God doing in you, because hopefully that's, that's kind of we've put, shown a light on that, and not, not also what are you going after, because we've been talking a lot about that. We want to grow this year. We want to come to be. We want to burst forth. We, we have things in our mind that we see that we want to see come to fruition. We talked about last week we need to make sure we know what God's doing in us, but here's the other side of the coin that I want to talk about this morning is what is God doing in the other person? What is God doing in them? That, that can seem, I think, maybe so oversimple. But I don't know about you, but oftentimes most of the things that we're wanting to grow into or step into or see come to be, there's usually people that are somewhere involved in there and they're just not cooperating. They're just, they just don't see it like you see it. They just, if only they would just do this and this, then all of a sudden it would happen. Last week, what did we talk about? Those frustrating people, we need to figure out what's happening in us. So I want to encourage you to not lose sight of that. But also, I hope that this is so, such an encouraging thought to say, what is God doing in them? What does he have to say about what they're going through? What is his perspective on the matter? And so hopefully we can talk a little bit about this. I'm going to have to be careful. I'm not used to stepping up on this thing. If I eat it, just, just clap. Just clap. I'm going to use the story of Esther this morning to illustrate this idea. I'm going to start in Esther's. Do we, we, know the, we know the story of Esther quite well. She, um, she pretty much gets taken um, after the king kills his previous wife for embarrassing him in front of all of the officials. And Esther gets chosen out of all of these beautiful women to come and be the queen. And so she's now put into this place. And so I'm just going to jump into, fast forward what happens. Esther's 3 verse 13. Letters were sent by couriers to all the king's provinces with instruction to destroy, to kill, and to annihilate all Jews, young and old, women and children, kin one day. I'll say it again. Letters were sent by couriers to all the king's provinces with instruction to destroy, to kill, and to annihilate all Jews. Those are some strong words. Young and old, women and children. Later on, when Mordecai learned all that had been done, and Mordecai is Esther's uncle, Mordecai tore his clothes and he put on sackcloth and ashes, and he went out into the midst of the city, and he cried out with a loud and bitter cry. He went up to the entrance of the king's gate, for no one was allowed to enter the king's gate clothed in sackcloth. And in every province, wherever the king's command and his decree reached, there was great mourning among the Jews, with fasting and weeping and lamenting, and many of them lay in sackcloth and ashes. I know we're jumping right into this story, but can you imagine just the devastation that you would have if someone turned up and said, your people group is going to be annihilated on this day in about a month's time or whenever it was? I hope that not many of us have been in that kind of a situation. I think back to World War II when there was just all-out war on certain people groups. And I know that many people groups in the world and different African countries have had genocide. And I, I know that's a reality for some, but it might be distant for us. But Esther's people are absolutely devastated. There has never been a greater need. Esther hears about this, and she sends some people. She was, it says the queen was deeply distressed, and she sent garments to clothe Mordecai, her uncle, so that he might take off his sackcloth, but he would not accept them. 
Then Esther called for one of the king's eunuchs who had been appointed to a tender and ordered him to go to Mordecai to learn what this was and why it was. He went out to Mordecai in the open square of the city in front of the king's gate, and Mordecai told him all that had happened to him and the exact sum of money that Haman had promised to pay into the king's treasuries for the destruction of the Jews. Mordecai also gave him a copy of the written decree issued in Susa for their destruction, that he might show it to Esther and explain it to her and command her to go to the king to beg his favor and plead with him on behalf of her people. The eunuch went and told Esther what Mordecai had said, and then Esther spoke to him and commanded him to go to Mordecai and say, all the king's servants and the people of the king's provinces know that if any man or woman goes to the king inside the inner court without being called, there is but one law to be put to death. Pretty much, I'll die if I go and tell, tell this to the king. Except the one to whom the king holds out the golden scepter so that he may live. But as for me, I have not been called to come into the king these 30 days. And they told Mordecai what Esther had said. Mordecai says, hey, you, he commands her to go and tell the king and plead their, their people's case on their behalf. What a huge responsibility. But what does she pretty much say? I will die, no thank you. I will die, no thank you. I have not been called in. I, I can't go there right now. I want to put this kind of just back, back into the lens of maybe your situation, that Mordecai sees what needs to be done here. He sees an opportunity to save thousands and thousands of people, to even save his entire group. He pleads, and it's, the Bible says that he took Esther as his own daughter. So this wasn't just kind of like a third cousin removed that he's like, hey, help, help a brother out here. This was his daughter that he's raised and that he knew intimately and tried to protect her and, and just he loved her very much. He pleads with his daughter to make haste, even commanding her to intervene. I thought that was really interesting that he commanded her to intervene. And like I said, I hope none of us have been in this position before, and I doubt that anyone has anywhere near of what it is. But all of us have been in situations where we clearly see what needs to happen, where things need to be done, etc. And there are, there are people not reacting how we need them to react, or how we would want them to react, or these things are just in the way and they're not moving. Again, the mission in front of you is just as important as the mission ahead of you. To say it a a better way, maybe, the person in front of you is just as important as the people you want to help or the things you have to do. Mordecai told them to reply to Esther. Do not think to yourself that in the king's palace you will escape any more than all the other Jews. For if you keep silent at this time, relief and deliverance will rise for the Jews from another place. But you and your father's house will perish. And who knows whether you have not come to the kingdom for such a time as this. Then Esther told them to reply to Mordecai, Go gather all the Jews to be found in Susa and hold a fast on my behalf. And do not eat or drink for three days, night or day. I and my young women will also fast as you do. Then I will go to the king, though it is against the law. And if I perish, I perish. Mordecai then went away and did everything as Esther had ordered him. Esther goes from declining his command to stepping up in a huge way and putting herself in the line for possible execution. She's going to go and plead her case before the king. 
But there's, there's this thing that stood out to me in this story that I hope is going to be encouraging. It says, well, this was the thing that I was looking at. It's one thing to know where God is going and what he's doing in you. I think it's one thing to know, hey, I've got vision for what needs to happen. I see growth. I see my kid is really far from God, and I, I see where they need to go. I know they're going to have life there. Or I see, hey, what's wrong with the church? I see what needs to happen. We just need to go here, and we just need to do this. Or I, my workplace, if, if I could just maybe get rid of that one person, and then I could help these other people, we, we see things that need to happen. It's one thing to know where God is going, and even... You might even have the inside of what he's doing in you. Okay, God, I realize you're, you're helping shave off that pride. Okay, I'm feeling it. I'm learning it, Jesus. Okay, I'm gonna, I promise I'm going to be a little bit more humble next time. Okay, I, I, you know, I, won't, I won't steal that dollar that I found on the ground next time. What, you, you can see what he's doing in you. It's another thing to be able to see what he's doing in the people around you. It's a completely new perspective. It's, it's, it's taking ourselves out of the situation completely. And I'm sure you've heard, you've heard it maybe preached or you've, you've discussed it yourself to, to put on the heart of God for someone. But I want to pause there to say, what does that look like? Have you considered it? Because I know I, I for one, have found myself in so many situations where I'm just saying, these people just don't get it. Lord, help Angie. She needs help. She needs to see your will for this situation. I am right. What, what, what is it like to have the eyes of God and his perspective on what that other person is going through? I often think there's a wealth of stuff in there, so we'll look at it a little bit. It's another thing to be able to see what he is doing and the people around you. And here's the key. This is the key that I just want to encourage you. And empower them to be able to do what part he is calling them to do. I'm going to read it one more time. It's another thing to be able to see what he is doing in the people around you and empower them to be able to do what part he is calling them to do. I don't know about you, but if I had raised someone and, and given my life for them, and, and it comes time to when they have an opportunity to, to save an entire nation of people, that I would be pretty passionate about encouraging them to take that opportunity, regardless of the risk that was probably to their own life. I mean, saving thousands and thousands of people. I would probably be pretty passionate about that. And then when the response that comes back says, yep, I appreciate the need, I'm heartbroken as well, but I, I can't do that. I wonder, I get way more frustrated when things don't matter. But can you imagine, I think, what what position Mordecai could have been in to see what could have his response been? You don't get it, girl. You missed it completely. We're going to die, all of us, and we're going to die. You have to do this. You have no choice. You've completely missed the call of God on your life. You've missed it completely. I think it's so important, and I have so many examples in my head of when I've talked to people about situations that they go through or things that I've personally experienced, where if they would just take time, and we're going to talk about that in a little bit of what we need to do to actually physically maybe take, step back from the situation to be able to get clarity around this issue. Could you imagine the influence and effect that we would have if we could just catch a snippet of the heart of God and what he's doing in the other person? It's a powerful idea that I think we need to consider and we're taking this morning to say, what is God doing in them? Because I think it will completely reshape our approach to that person. Completely help release something. 
Mordecai did not get caught up responding negatively to Esther as she declines his invitation to plead their case before the king. Mordecai not only saw what God was doing big picture, which I think many of us have a sense of where God's going. We just can't get why all these other people aren't getting it. But he had the wisdom to know what God was doing in Esther and to call her up to her part of working out God's plan. We want to be a people that, that have eyes to see the unseen, to call out what God is seeing in this situation. The next point, it's not, it's not brain surgery for it, but I hope that it sets up. It's his plan, not ours. And I know that might seem simple, but I know a whole lot of people that kind of take ownership of it that I think God sometimes can get left behind in the dust. It's his plan, not ours. And when it's, when it's God's plan, he calls up. He calls up. He doesn't disengage or he doesn't tear down. And one of the things I was hoping just to encourage you with this morning is to take some of that pressure off. That God is wanting to do amazing things through and in all of you. And one of the things that we continue to talk about is what? Is the, is the burden on your heart. And that, that God has uniquely made you for specific things to do some amazing things. Bruce Billington also talks about the idea all the time of what are you doing now that you couldn't do without the Holy Spirit? We want to call you up to something really big, but, but I also at the same time want to take some of the pressure off. It is his plan, not ours. One of my strength finders tests, uh, I don't know if you've done strength finders, but one of my strengths is responsibility. And I, I can sometimes take it the next level where I'm being, I'm, I'm holding too much responsibility for something. I'm carrying way too much. And it's, it's important that I, I recognize that I got to let this go because it's God's plan anyways. His heart is so much for this growth to happen, a lot more than me. And, and when I'm saying, God, these people that you've just put around me, Archer, Bennett, Angie, they don't know what you're doing. I'm just picking on them. They actually help me a lot. But God, they just don't get it. I mean, Archer's four, so we should give him some grace. Bennett, on the other hand, I mean, he's two. He should be coming up in the world. But how often... When we're wanting to see something happen, it's, it's often the people around us that, that tend to get in the way. Or they're just not, if they would just understand this principle. But this is the thing that I want you to take time this morning to consider in your life. Have you understood and taken the time to get God's perspective on where they're at? It's one thing to pray for someone. God, you really got to help them. Lord, they need your help. And instead... One of the suggestions I would have is, God, help me understand what are you doing in them? There's a big shift that we need to be able to support one another to go where we want to go. We want to see big things happen here. Can I get an amen? We want to see a people group released into the city of Upper Hutton, Wellington, that absolutely transforms the societies that they're finding themselves in. Workplaces we want to see be completely different. Homes we want to see be so filled with life and just wholeness and healthiness. But you know what happens with all of those things? There's people that don't want to cooperate in all of those circumstances. And our response is going to be crucial to be able to bring about the response, the, the, the kingdom transformation that we want to see recognizing what is God doing in me, I think that's important, so we can kind of get rid of some of those edges that might be 
prohibiting us from getting forward, but I also think this is so crucial. What is God doing in them? What is he doing in your spouse that you're just like, oh, man, they just really need to understand this. What is he doing in your kids? What is he doing in your, your home group? This guy just hasn't gotten it. This girl's just not moving forward. Well, what is God doing in them? Not just what you see needs to be happen or you, you think logically might be the next step. Do you know that at any given point, God is teaching us all very, very different things? It is so easy to get stuck in, I see this is what needs to happen. I would submit to you that transformation is the goal and seeing people radically transformed by the life and the freedom of Jesus. But the path to get there for every single person looks so different. As unique as we are, and I know I, for one, can get really locked into, this is what it looked like for me. I just don't get why you don't get that this is going to bring freedom for other people. Don't you see that this is the best way to do it? This Angie, man, she's got, she's got a lot of work to do. We'll be looking for counselors later. Take some of the pressure off. We can get stuck in our perspective and our plan of what should be, and we can get so stuck on maybe even their perspective and their plan. But what is God doing in you, and what is he doing in them? We would have so much more grace and influence if we learned to get God's perspective on others before reacting. We would have so much more grace and influence if we learned to get God's perspective on others before reacting. Then Mordecai told them to reply to Esther, do not think to yourself that in the king's palace you escape any more than all the other Jews. Listen to this. For if you keep silent at this time, relief and deliverance will rise for the Jews from another place. But you and your father's house will perish, and who knows whether you have not come to the kingdom for such a time as this. He didn't blame her. He didn't shame her. He didn't lecture her. He called her up to something far bigger. He shows such faith. I don't think I would have had his faith. I'm like, girl, you better get in that king's room, and you, 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 you got to save all of us. We're going to die. He didn't say you have to do this. He didn't say you're betraying me and all of your people. It won't fail if we can't do it. I think that's important to just pause and, and taking some of the pressure off. It won't fail. The growth that you're looking for, the thing that you want to see burst forth, the city, the city of Upper Hutt is going to be transformed one way or the other. How many of you believe that? That God's kingdom, it's coming. And it's coming step by step. And, and we have a chance to partner with him and to call others up to be a part of that. Or what is he going to do? He's going to raise other people up. He's going to raise other leaders up. He's going to ra raise other churches up. And I hope that we partner with the other churches in Upper Hutt. And I so appreciate the heart of so many of the pastors here. And we want to do that together. But he will raise other people up. In your families, he will raise people up. In your workplaces, he will raise people up. In this community, he will raise people up. In the, in the cafe, I see Dave and Kerry. In the worship team, he will raise people up to transform it into what he needs it to be. We can take some of the pressure off knowing that it's going to happen. I, I don't know about you, but I sometimes think, oh, man, this isn't going to happen, God. Angie's never going to get it. It's probably a lot more me, right? This, this isn't going to happen. And I start to, 
How, how many of you have been there with me? Like, oh, I've been waiting on this for a long time. They just don't get it. God, your kingdom's not going to come if this doesn't happen. It's so easy to get locked into this, this defeatist mode, and we start going around in, in circles. And what was the story that we talked about at the start? Our focus gets completely taken away from the person. That, remember, the frustration that's in front of me often might be what God's using to grow me. But it's also, there's, there's, I have a slide in there. I don't know where it went. But it says, the mission in front of you might actually be the thing setting up the mission ahead of you. So what God is doing in the person next to you might be the thing that you actually need to achieve that thing that you see in the future, that growth that needs to happen. What is God doing in the other person? It's a journey, and I'm not saying you're going to know it immediately, but I just want to encourage you with that perspective. We do our part, and then it is truly God who moves the mountains to do his part. Our reaction to when things aren't going how they should indicate where our trust is. Our reaction when things aren't going as they should indicate where our trust is. Place your trust in God and call up those around you to his plan. It's too easy to do the opposite. We put trust in ourselves and our abilities. And as such, we don't end up calling up the people around us. We end up tearing them down or we end up disengaging from them completely because we don't understand what God is doing in them. So often we don't understand what he's doing in us. But as we place our trust in him, we're now at a place where we can call up the people around us. Even when we don't maybe understand what it is, but we have to go and get his perspective on, God, why are they reacting this way? Why have they come to this position? Hey, what were the things that put them there? And then what that does is that gives you strategy to be able to call them up. How many of us respond to being told off? I don't do it really well. Bennett, man. He's, he's just on the other end of the spectrum. I think it encourages him to continue in his behavior. We respond to being called up to something bigger. And when we're looking at what God is doing in the other person, we have to get good at, at seeing where God is taking someone. And we have to learn how to call that out in the other person. It's not reacting, but it's responding. It's not reacting to what we physically might see or what we're physically frustrated with, but it's responding to what we see God showing us who they are and what is in them. That would transform your workplace. That would completely revolutionize the atmosphere in your family. You start to call out what you see God is doing in them rather than reacting to the maybe unique expressions that sometimes we as people have. Mordecai gives Esther an invitation to step into the call of God on her life. I want to encourage us to be a people that offer invitations to one another to step into the call of God. It completely will change the way that we interact with one another. Rather than seeing you don't get my perspective, it's, it's actually almost the opposite. How can I help you step into the plan that God has for you? What is it that he's doing in you? Now, I guess one of the big questions is, how do we get space to be able to do this? I don't know about you, but if I'm in that moment, I'd rather, I'd rather disengage or tear them down just a little bit. 
How, how do you get space to do this? And I, I actually just have a bunch of scripture just to share. How many of you know that we can't get enough of the word? It needs to be our daily bread. To be able to do this kind of stuff, and, and this is the point. This, this is not a miraculous point. We need the word. We need time worshiping him. We need time spending, spending meditating on his word. The Bible says day and night, and I don't know what that looks like for you, but that's not just a nice suggestion. We have to be mind-focused of what God is doing as much as we possibly can. We have to spend time with him. And Grant, Grant has been looking to get into one of my stories for a long time, and so he's, he's told me this. So finally this week, it's come up so I can share a Grant Conway story. He's excited about it. I know he is. So Grant, Grant's phone disconnected this week. He, and I, I can sometimes fix, fix tech things. I'm usually texting Luke as it's happening. Um, and I pretend like I'm giving the answer and Luke will funnel the answer. And then I, it's, I, I seem quite, quite onto it. But Grant's phone disconnected. The internet was working, but he, he wasn't getting any service. And so he came to me and I pushed a couple buttons pretending like I knew what I was pushing. I had no idea. And we, we didn't get very far. And then Grant comes into my office maybe about an hour later, and he, he wanted to, to share with me the resolution of this phone issue. And I'd suggested that he needed to call customer care and, and tell them that their phone service is broken and, um, and punish them accordingly. And so he came back in, and he said, Jesse, you know what it was? I just needed to turn my phone off and turn it back on, and it reconnected to the source. It's a very, very simple point that I know we've heard a bunch of times. But if you truly... If you truly want to start getting God's perspective on the other person, you have to. It's a matter of need. Reconnect to the source as often as you get a chance. When you see that the connection might be a little bit weak, when you see that you're really not understanding where this person's at and your emotions are now really involved, that is a great warning sign to reconnect to the source. Can I encourage you? In, in my mind, I know how good of an idea it is to read the Bible. But then in practicality, when it's really late and I've been moving all day, it, it's another thing to actually get into the scriptures and open it up. And your, your daily reading is in like Leviticus and you're just, God, I'm, I'm, I'm struggling with this. And it's so much easier to get on Facebook or to get on whatever it is that you like to get on rather than maybe putting on a little bit of worship music before you go to bed or whatever it is. It's so much easier. I saw a quote, that I, and I'm going to butcher it, but I thought it was, it was so piercing. Maybe it's more for the younger generations. I don't know. But it said it's, it's a lot easier to get on our phones than it is to face ourselves or to face God. I think that's so true of us, that there's something about going to God that does reveal stuff in us, but we need it. We need that daily bread. We need time spent worshiping him so that he can tell us who we are so we can know, God, okay, I need to learn this in this situation, but it's not just for us. It's so that we can have a heavenly perspective and heaven's eyes to see what God is doing in Yodi in this situation, what God is doing in Bruce in this situation. Because if I don't, I'm going to have a vision of where I need to go. And I'm going to be passionately going there. And I'm going to be so frustrated when Bruce isn't coming along the journey with me. He just doesn't get it. Bruce gets it more than all of us. Can I encourage you? We need to reconnect to the source. Thank you, Grant, for that illustration. I want to share some scriptures with you. 
I am the vine, you are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. I think when I read these scriptures by themselves, I can sometimes, I agree with that and I say yes and amen. But if we put it in the context of our everyday relationships, that's what I want to encourage you. This is not just a nice idea so that we're one with God and we're just, you know, reach some sense of oneness. But it's that we have the ability to see what God is doing in them. For apart from me, you can do nothing. Whatever it takes for you to spend some time with God to get his perspective, do it. And for each of us, that looks different. But Jesus often withdrew to lonely places and prayed. Luke 16, 5. Jesus often withdrew to lonely places and prayed. In our busy world today, my lonely places often become the phone. I just want to encourage you, make sure that you have time for fun, but make sure that you're carving out time. If Jesus did it, I'm sure it's worth doing. He sure had some insight into people. I'd like even a little bit of that, right? But even he had his moments. God, how much longer are you going to leave me with these people? We have to get alone. We have to get into his presence. We have to be fed. And it's not because it's a great thing to do, even though it is a great thing to do. It would be worth it just to do it for that sake. But this is the thing that will empower you, enable you, and equip you to be able to do what he's calling you to do. These kinds of things, when, when we've had kids that have gone the wrong direction, when we have, I just, I think back to some of the cases of the kids that I used to work with at my work, and just the, the level of, of pain and suffering that they'd gone through to, to, enable, to, to put them to a place where, man, they were in a bad place. Do you know that I, I needed to spend time with him to get some perspective on where they were. Otherwise, when they jumped out of the car, because I've had them jump out of my car before, I would just clap rather than, you know, stopping and, and going to help them because some of them were so um, unique in their expressions of, of life and creative in their use of words. And... But I want to encourage you, you, you need this to get, his, to get his perspective. This doesn't just happen if you're not spending, if spending the time with him. Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of scoffers, but his delight is in the law of the Lord. And on his law, he meditates day and night. He is like a tree planted by streams of water that yield its fruit in its season, and its leaf does not wither. In all that he does, he prospers. What is the core that we're talking about? Being connected to the source is the direct correlation to be able to see fruit grow, to see fruit happen. Exodus 23, 12, the Sabbath, the whole purpose of it is to refresh yourself. 2 Timothy 1, 6, may the Lord grant mercy to the household of Anesiphorus, for he often refreshed me. People, uh, Joram was telling me I, uh, some, some uh, the, uh, the youth, I don't know what you guys did, you did some, some kind of, or maybe it was the youth leaders like this, the scale of things that refreshed you or that, that drained you, and they had a scale of different things. And sometimes there's people that, that maybe take more from you, and that's okay. Sometimes we have to give and take. But it was also identifying what people refresh you. Because it's not just spending time with God, but it's spending time with his people, and there's oftentimes people that refresh you. So I just want to encourage you. These are very, very practical ways. I think too often in, our, in my head and in our heads, I think we can understand. Home group is a great idea, right? It's like really important to have. 
It's really important for a lot of different reasons, but one of those is that you refresh one another to be able to go and do these things, intentionally getting together. And Esther's response to catching hold of what Mordecai has encouraged her to do is to first seek the Lord. Then Esther told them to reply to Mordecai, go gather all the Jews to be found in Susa and hold a fast on my behalf and do not eat or drink for three days, night or day. I and my young women will also fast as you do. Then I will go to the king, though it is against the law. And if I perish, I perish. Mordecai then went away and did everything as Esther had ordered him. We can't do it without, without him. I just want to encourage you. What, what this week do you maybe need to carve out of your schedule just, just to reconnect to the source, to step away for a little bit, to reconnect to what he's doing? If it's in the word, if it's in prayer, if it's refreshing yourselves with others, make sure there's a combination of all of them probably. But they who wait for the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. Amen? I think at the core of what I would love for us to catch is getting the Father's heart for one another. Getting the Father's heart for the people that we work with. We really do want to see this. this in our Pursuing Purpose course, we talk about three words, create, transform, and influence. As a church, we would love to have those things happening in every sphere that we go into. Salt spread throughout the city, light in every beacon. Create, transform, and influence. To be able to create, transform, or influence anything, what do we need? We need Jesus. My goodness, we do. And is he always with us? He is always with us. But I love as I walk in, as, as the music is playing, Ben Polson is in the word. I love that. His, his passion for the word is contagious. And each of us will express it. Some of us need to listen to the word. Some of us need to watch. I love watching the, the passion movies, you know, or just the, the, the Bible series. But can I encourage you? Jesus is not a nice thing. He's a necessary thing to be able to refill ourselves to get perspective that we need to truly bring transformation in this place. You need his perspective to see what God is doing in the other person. Otherwise, you're going to continue coming up against the same results again and again and again because you're only seeing it from your perspective or you're only seeing what they should do. Take time, pause, step away like Jesus did as often as you get a chance to make sure you can get some perspective on what God is wanting to do in them. And the journey might be so different for them. They might be learning something so completely different than what you want them to learn. I've got my line of things that I want um, God to help other people with. But what is he doing in them right now? We don't see how his plan is coming together. Be passionate about what he's calling you to do. Have that, that vision of growth that you have in your mind. Passionately go after it. But don't forget the missing ingredient of what is he actually doing in you in that place? And what is he doing in the people around you? Let's pray. Jesus, we, we thank you that no matter where we're at or what we're doing, you are God and you are still there. Lord, we declare that nothing is impossible with you. Father, the heart cry of, of this place right now, Jesus, is that we start to have a kingdom-sized impact, Father. Lord, we know that you will do your work regardless. Lord, and we bless you in that. But Jesus, we want to have a part in what you're doing in this city.
We want to have a part in our family, Lord. We want to do the part that you're calling us to. Jesus, can you, can you empower us, reconnect us to you, remind us to connect with you so that we can then call up others into the plan that you have for them. Lord, we need your perspective like we need water, Jesus. We can't do anything if we're not abiding in you, Father. Lord, empower your people. Encourage your people. Jesus, there are people waiting to be freed tomorrow. There are people waiting to experience your love this afternoon, Jesus. There are people and things that are waiting to express so many cool and wonderful things that are part of your kingdom. But, Lord, we need to be able to reconnect to you and partner with you to see that come about. In the mighty name of Jesus, have your way. Your kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven, Father. And we just declare that this week for this people. Lord, we bless all of the kids from the, ministry, from the youth ministry to the kids' zone, to the preschool, to the frequency. Jesus, Lord, I pray that your presence would fall on them right now as we're closing. In the mighty name of Jesus, all of God's people said, amen. amen.